The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hi, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. You mustn't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast on the BBC Sounds app. This week, Lucy Chamberlain is my special guest and we're taking your calls on everything from Fatsia, Acers and Apples. We've got some top tips on things you were getting on with in the garden, plus our plant of the week. We go straight to your calls, and this week we start with Pamela from Ockenden Village. Hello, Pamela. Yes, hello there. Good morning. Actually, um, listening to Lucy there, I've just been out to my front garden. Lucy, all the bacopa are all still out. The white oh, bacopa are lovely. still hanging from all the window boxes at the front, which faces north, by the way. Yeah. And they're just a whole wall of white flowers. I can't believe it. They're still... Perfect. Beautiful. It's, it's absolutely balmy. Unbelievable. Well, Unbelievable, it's an it? interesting point, actually. Just while I know you've most like you've rung about something. Oh, else, yes, but I have, but I just with stuff like Bacopa, Lucy, what was out there? With Lucy, Bacopa would actually continue to go right through, wouldn't it? It would. I've got some. You can feed um, it. Yes, I've got some verbena, some bedding yeah. verbena, actually, that's uh, again near my porch, so it's quite sheltered and south facing. But again, yeah. that's gone through the winter, so yeah. you could take cuttings from that if you wanted to. Oh, yes, that's the point. I'm in the greenhouse yeah. this afternoon. Oh. Well, there you go. Well, what a place to be. <laughs> Anyways, what, what, was, yes, what was your sorry, question, sorry, Pamela? Sorry. Yes, my, my question is um, Fatsia japonica. Uh-huh. Um, I've got um, a very nice specimen. It's about seven years old in a rectangle deep concrete pot. Mm. It made lots and lots of extra growth last year again. But I'm now deliberating. I've been out there. It has six main stems two to three foot long they're thick and they're sturdy and the tops of all have got the umbilical you know they're full of flower yeah. um, so they look quite beautiful they'll be quite flower now my question is if i leave them like this they're going to look very leggy etc but when do i prune them will it sulk or will it encourage growth from lower down and where do i prune it i like that yeah. actually because um, i like the sulk because <laughs> i think you're right plants do sulk when you prune them sometimes but they yes can you do. can can't you lucy yeah and what, what you could do in that instance is because you've got multiple stems coming from the base yes. you could do what we call is like a um, renewal pruning so right. that's not cutting the whole plant down hard it would right. be every, every spring it would okay. be taking out out maybe two or three of those stems possibly two with the number that you've got and then what that will do it will stimulate growth from the base which will then come through and then as every year if you do that every as i say every spring eventually you will replace the whole plant but it's in a, a much more gradual process it's not a big shock to the system and you'll always get that compact growth nice and well, i say with, with fatsia they can get quite um quite leggy uh, because as they grow upwards the the, the leaves uh, beneath will yellow and fall so you end up with more like a, a shrub like plant or even a small tree depending on the size but what you're after is a big mass of healthy foliage i guess yes, aren't you yes. how fast down should i go lucy to the ground i i would i would go almost almost to soil level or, or compost oh, level sorry. so maybe maybe uh two three inches above the surface cut, if you can cut to a leaf joint but honestly it's not it's not too crucial no, you probably won't be able to see it no. so go in there with a loppers or pruning saw and take two or three of the of the older stems out mm. um and then you sh- that should encourage a flush of new growth to come through and you wouldn't i wouldn't do it now fatsia the new growth on fatsias can be a little bit frost tender so right. i would i would yeah. wait until maybe Not a, going a good into Month, March. Uh, oh, at least April. March. Maybe going March. into mid, mid late March. I would leave it till right, I'm then. I'm making notes all the time. Brilliant. Late March. Brilliant. And then give I it also a nice liquid feed because anything in the container is very reliant upon us to get nutrition. So if you make sure once you've given it a, a prune back, you give it a nice liquid feed of grow more or something like that, that will encourage lots of new growth to come through as well. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure that'll be... Uh, fancies are attractive. They're a very statement they, yeah, plant, Yeah, they, they can be, but they can get leggy. So yes. a bit of pruning now and then is, is not to be avoided. And because of the, the structure of them, people are scared to prune them, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk to Maureen in Corringham about your bulbs, aren't we, Maureen? Oh, yeah. Good morning, Ken and Lucy. Yes, a few weeks ago, you had a request for regarding Ox Alice growing in a lawn. Well, I have got 
axillus, unfortunately, growing in between the bulbs of the pink noreens, and I think it's spoiling that clump. What can I use as a treatment to get rid of the oxalis bulbs, please? Couldn't you lift the noreens at this time of year, couldn't you? Okay. Yes, yes. Oh, I see, yes. You couldn't... the whole clump. Because mm-hmm. the trouble with the oxalis, I mean, I'm looking at Lucy here, it's a, it's a pain, isn't it? It is. Because it, it doesn't... It do- <laughs> well, yeah. it, it doesn't react. I mean, I know I got told off the other week because all I go on about is weed killers, but sometimes we have to use weed killers, but weed killer doesn't even get rid of it, does it? I mean, Roundup doesn't work well no, even no. on oxalis. And also there's such a seed bank in the soil. Oxalis yeah. is a weed that's got two methods of attack. It will spread by se- seeding, over, but also little bulbils in the soil. So um, even if you do spray off the top growth and you... you you use something that's a yeah, systemic herbicide yeah. to travel back. There's loads of weed that's oxalis seeds in the soil. So, I know, um, I found it a bit, yes, it's, yeah. it's so, tremendous, so Ken's really. As Ken's suggesting, maybe lifting up the noreens. And then what would you say, Ken? Would you actually go in there and just I'd keep lift, walking it out I'd, and sort I'd of lift smothering them? And, them? Yeah, and then, and then just keep working on that area and plant the noreens slightly to a different size. You yeah. could wash the noreen off this time and you wouldn't hurt them, would you? I would have think so. They would, they, yeah, that would be fine, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. glad I phoned now then because this oh. is a good time. I can't think of any other way of getting rid of it. I no, really that, can't. That does sound quite logic, really. <laughs> and then you could, you see, in that area, if you work on it by digging through and you still have it up, then you could, uh, as a sort I of last resort... I quite a big hole and replaced it with fresh compost, would that be even better, I do think you the- think? I think the 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 oxalis would the, in the time cool. it's going to take to control it by by physical sort of digging out and hoeing, I would be tempted temporarily more in just to put the noreens either in a separate part of the garden or in a container, and yes. then once oh, you've in got the container, ground container, yes, clear, I could control that better yeah, there. Yeah. Oh and yes, then, that that's a very good idea. Yeah, and then yes. fork out big clumps, and then if you get any weed growth coming through, you could actually hoe those off before they have a chance to set bulbils. You yes. could you could just be persistent, and and any new growth that comes through. Just keep hoeing that off. If you can get a nice sunny day with a bit of a breeze, so much the better. All right. Well, all that's right. brilliant. Yes, Good luck. That, that, I could, all the other clumps are fine, but this is one is deteriorating, this yeah. clump, yeah. with them keeping attacking it, I think, yes. They really are. I mean, noreens are a fantastic plant, aren't they? I they're mean, beautiful they're, they're things, beautiful. Aren't and they? very underrated because they come out and then people say, oh, oh, oh noreens, when do you buy those? And of course, it's the wrong time of the year. I know. They're sold when you don't expect them to be sold. Exactly. And then there's a flurry of colour. And like you say, everyone piques yeah. people's interest. And, and then we, f- we forget to actually gone, plant them. Which is which is such a shame. Mm. Um, right. Let's uh, remind people of that phone number to call. It's 0800 111 4041. That's 0800-111-4041. Text me here in the studio, and that is 81333. Put Essex on the front. Got a couple of emails as well to deal with today here on the BBC Essex Gardening phone-in. Ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk. We go to Carl in Highwood now, talking about your Acer, Carl. Uh, good morning, Ken, Lucy. Yeah, I've got uh, actually three Acers, which I had in big, quite large um, tubs right. a couple of years ago. And because we go away a lot in the summer, worrying about water and drying out, um, I removed them. In doing so, I did break a few pieces on the branches, but, and I put them into a raised bed. OK, yeah. And the raised bed is like 15 inches high. Mm-hmm. Um, they are in full sun. Right. I'm not sure. Right. Now, what the problem is, this was uh, two years ago, almost to the day that I put them in the garden, mm-hmm. in the raised beds. And uh, the first summer, they were beautiful. They, the leaf cover was brilliant. There's one blood god, I think it is, and, and a couple of gr- a green and another red one. Um, but this last summer, there was a poor covering of leaf. They shriveled uh, and really, really disappointing. And um, I just wondered whether I've done something wrong if they're in full sun before when they were in pots they were in partial shade half the day yes yeah I I think you might be onto something with the sun there because although this year we had quite a lot of moisture last year was obviously completely contrasting we had a long period of time when there was very little rain and really high temperatures and it might be even though the aces were leafed up it may be that their roots dried out in that raised bed and then it had a a knock-on effect for this last year do you see what i mean so i wonder if um 
you can still have them in the raised bed, but I would maybe put some seep hoses down or some mulch and uh, have it on an automatic timer so they kept that area kept consistently moist. Not the aces don't like to be dry at the roots at all, mm. so um, that would be something that would cause some problems. They also don't like to be grown in full sun if it's windy no, and exposed. Right. If they it's sheltered, burned, if it's sheltered, they're fine. But as soon as there's yeah. wind, um, yeah, that can cause really, problems. It's, not, it's a back garden. There's fences yeah. all around. But they does get quite windy out there, and uh, yeah. you know, yeah. I found pieces of, like grey um, algae on some of the stems now, and and the end of the twigs, each branch, mm-hmm. there's little twigs on the end, you know, and they're sort of dead. Yeah, and you can just they, snap them. They off snap. They're brittle. They're not bendy. Yes, yeah. No, they're not I, bendy. They just they're dead. You can snap them off. Yeah. Have you yeah. Did, in the raised bed? Have you got any mulch down? Any compost or, or bark uh, chips or anything not like really. that? When I, when I put them in, I dug out big holes for them, and I got good tops off, and then I filled them up with ericaceous compost mm-hmm. to put them in, and and that was it. I backfilled them, and, and all that uh, every now and again I watered them, and during yeah. the summer. But, and was it you know, an ericaceous compost that had some John Inners in it, or was it pure ericaceous compost? Do you remember? I I think it was just pure ericaceous. So that's quite light and fluffy in texture. What you can buy, I know this is not useful for you now, but you can get a John Innes based ericaceous, which has got more loam in it, which which holds on to moisture a little bit better. But what I would do now is I would mulch those aces with some bark chips or some well-rotted compost, and then just make sure that bed is kept really, really well watered in any dry periods during the summer. And I think they will recover. Well, I hope so. Fingers and toes crossed. (laughs) It's time for Plant of the Week. And this week, Bougainvillea, sometimes called paper flower. Yes, we have come indoors. Great conservatory plant. Good light. It doesn't want direct sun because it will burn it, but it likes lots of good light. It's a, a thorny vine and it's native to South America, Brazil... Southern uh, Hemisphere, Argentina, and we see them whilst we're on holiday in the Mediterranean, but great in conservatories. Generally, it's deciduous when grown there. It can grow 10 foot, 14 foot. That's about four metres high. So you'd need a large planter, plenty of room. And the leaves, when they come in spring and through the summer, alternate all the way up the stems. They're rich, green and ovate. The flowers, um, it confuses you a bit because they're actually little white flowers in threes, but they're surrounded by three to six bracts that are brightly coloured, purple, magenta, red, or even orange. They can flower all year, if in the right conditions. However, mostly they drop their leaves in winter, prune back, and you want to keep them on the dry side. Spring, feed them, water them. And after they're pruning in late, that late winter, early spring, they'll spring into growth. But don't hard prune too much because they can't cope with it. What do they struggle with? Well, whitefly sometimes, and old plants get mealybug. But other than that, they're great. How do you want to um, get another one for your friend, your neighbour, your relation? I tell you what, you just layer them. So they are, Bougainvillea, get one, bright, cheerful, and put it in your conservatory, if you've got one. If not, keep it in the uh, greenhouse over winter, uh, put lots of fleece round it, and put it outside in the summer, and it will flower. Bougainvilliers, brighten up your house. And we're talking apple trees with Jim. So, Jim, are they new new apple trees? or Uh, Well, I'm thinking of... Buying a couple of apple trees. Good for you. Uh, Good for you. Uh, rootstock M26 are like semi-dwarf. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, I'm told they can grow in containers. Now, my question is, first of all, what size containers should I buy? And is there a preference one over the other, like a terracotta pot to a wooden pot or a plastic uh, pot? Or? Good question. And I think, I'll tell you what, growing fruit in containers and, and, and fruit trees in pots is a really good thing to do if you've got either a small garden or you're maybe living in a rental property and you want to take things with you. Um, and you can get lots of varieties put into a small space. So you get a lot of diversity, which is great. So, um, yes, you can grow apples in containers. You could go for also for M9, which is another dwarfing rootstock, if you Slightly wanted to. Slightly smaller, actually. It's smaller and it might be more suitable, actually, because M26 is moderately vigorous. M- 
nine and M27, I think, are smaller, aren't they? So, mm. so they they're two two names to look out for there, Jim. Um, okay, thank but you. yeah, if you want to grow in a container, then the thing to bear in mind, as you say, is to get a decent sized tub. I've got various fruits in containers at home. I've got um, cherries, peaches, apricots, apples, uh, and I have the minimum diameter I have gone for for those fruits is about forty centimeters diameter for con- the container, and about That's that deep feet, as well. Not quite. Um, mm. Nearly, so just, nearly two feet, isn't it? Um, no, 45, so 30, 30, 30, oh no, eighteen. Yeah, no, thirty yeah. centimeters is a foot. So adding on another ten centimeters, 18. so about that, and that that depth as well. And then you, uh, if you use a, a loam-based compost, which like is just a John what, Innes? we just mentioned a John Innes-based compost, and I add to that a bit of grit and also then a little bit of multi-purpose peat-based or peat-free compost is what I'm using these so days. So about two-thirds John Innes. Yeah, and then a little bit of, uh, like I say, peat-free and some grit as well, just to yep. lighten it up a little bit because I do still find John Innes itself it's on its own dodgy. quite heavy and that is perfect and it will have a bit of nutrition in there from the John Inners, and then you can supplement that maybe uh, in a few months time with some liquid fertiliser um, water them in the summer with grow more in the first half of the year and then switch to tomato food from June, July, August that kind of time and uh, yeah that'll be fine. And Jim okay. if, you're, if yeah. you're are you what fruit are you thinking of growing? Apples? Uh, uh, yeah, coxies, orange, pippin, So mm. Right, if you do, see that you get another variety. Well, you can buy coxies, queen cox. self-fertile cox. Self-fertile. Yeah, or like mm-hmm. you say, just, just think of another um, suitable pollination partner for it. So ask that they flower at the same time. That's all you want is the two apple trees yeah. to flower mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah. There's loads of online searches you can do now and there's lots of fruit specialists out there. If you've got any concerns about whether your pollination is going to be um, sufficient, just give them a call or, or have a look online and that, that, will, that will give you the answer. Uh, one further question, if I may. Um, would they become root-bound in the pots? Would they have to be changed in a bigger pot or would that be okay for... Yeah, mine have been in my pots now for a good three, four years, and I will think about repotting them. But what you can do to, um, you can what we call top dress them, which is taking off the the top layer of compost. And and actually, you can root prune fruit trees in containers. You knock them out the pot, cut some of the root off, and then put it back in. You can do that, and that will keep Mm -hmm. them compact. And you want to do that in the dormant period. So we're talking maybe February would be a good time to do that. Think of it like, um, so like bonsai. Bonsai trees growing in small pots that annually they're root pruned yeah. to keep them tiny. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this is that site kind of treatment, but on a much more gentle scale. So it means that you can keep them in that eight, uh, what would be like eighteen inches, forty centimeters diameter pot, and you don't don't have to then have a massive big container that you find difficult to move around the garden. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, thank you very much. And let us know, Jim. Come back to us as well, Jim, and let us know which varieties you find and how successful they are, because a lot of the dwarf varieties will fruit very quickly. You might even yep. get fruit in the first year. You could do depending on the size of the tree that you buy. Yeah. Um, and again, watch when you're, if you're buying anybody buying mail order, do check that the tree is of a reasonable age, that it's not just a maiden. Yeah. A maiden will not produce fruit straight it's, away. Maidens are good if you want to train an initial yes. shape yourself, but they're not if you want to have That's it right. cropping quickly, then go for a feathered maiden. Go to Bill Ricky and talk to Alan, shall we, about his peeris. Oh. Hello, Alan. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Lucy. Yes, Hi. I have a peeris in a garden which is southwest facing, and the peeris is planted about. Uh, foot or so for a six foot fence it's growing well except that all of the leaf is right at the top it the, the trunk for the first sort of six feet is bare and as i say but and it's about nine feet high but all mm. of the leaf is at the top is it advisable or can you you know, tell me if it, it, it the about pruning these i've right. tried to find out about it but okay the question the question straight away is how many stems have you got at the base of the plant at the base only one one base and how mm. high does that single stem go about nine feet literally so it's like a, it's like a uh, a standard tree almost yes right okay. trickier yeah, but, isn't it it's out to three, into three sections. Oh. So eventually it gets what into would, three, so three would, main stems. Yeah, but it's still at nine feet. And you're trying mm. to get it to grow at the ground level. Yeah, that's right. There's no no leaf, you know, lower Ooh. down. It's all at the top. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, mm. if it was in my garden, 
I'd saw it down to nine inches and see what happened. Yeah. But, yeah. and there's a big capital on that bee, isn't there? Don't you think, Lucy? Because it could die. I, I think there's certain plants that we know respond well to hard pruning. So things like a buddleia or a willow mm. or a dogwood or plants like that. I honestly have never tried to renovate a pyrus. I've only reduced way. it where it's got several stems. Exactly, but that going into yeah. bare stems, I've never done that. Uh, so, and I, I have a suspicion that I, it won't I, I think I've not done it because I've, I know that they're not going to respond very mm. well. So, Alan, if if this plant's of sentimental value to you, then I would be tempted to just leave it alone and maybe feed it with um, s- some liquid fertiliser just to pep it up. And reduce the height of the head. Yeah, if you can do. Cut back to well-placed side shoots that already have foliage on them. But if you feel brave and you're like, do you know what, I don't mind if it's do or if die, goes. then that's when you can go in there with, as, it, as Ken says, right down low, give it a whack back and just see what happens. There are some plants that surprise you. I never really thought that camellias and rhodos would oh, respond well yes. to renovation, but they do. I've crucified those yeah. and they, they come <laughs> yeah, up again. They do. Yes. Exactly. I, you know, we, you, you learn these things as you go through horticulture, but um, the purists, maybe someone's tried it. Maybe someone can mm. phone in and let us know. Alan, is it sentimental? It is. I, I don't really want to lose it. What no, I would ask, don't, yeah. one of the branches, one of the top branches, is leaning over. Could I just remove that branch? Because oh, it yeah. Makes it, if you want to, to balance it up a little bit, if that, yeah. if that balances the shape up a little bit, Alan, then yeah, you can do that. It's just this more drastic pruning. I think we're going we're, we're gonna to be high risk. Quite, quite cautious on because I don't think we, we would suggest that it's going to recover well from that. Right, okay. Thank you very much. All that's right. all right. Okay. Okay, that's Alan from Billericay, and we go to Bernard in Malden. Hello, Bernard. Hello, Ken. Uh, Ken, we in the autumn last year, we were inundated with granbees. Yep. Thousands and thousands and thousands of them. You couldn't put your hand on the garden, and we've got a very large garden. What uh. do we do about them? Trouble is, they're um, they're not a bee that we want to get rid of. No, no, um, they're not. They're quite they're not. important. Um, there's no easy answer, is it? There's not really, Bernard. I think that. I can't. Do think you of have one. like a light sandy soil? That's, that's the that's problem. That's why the bees they are love it. nesting there, especially if it's a, a sunny garden as well. Where I live in Fingringhoe, if I walk down Ferry Road where I am, on the right-hand side where the allotment plots are, there's this bank. We have got very light sandy soil in Fingringhoe, and the bank this summer was Covered full full of solitary bees. Although they're called solitary, they do still nest in numbers together. Just They just don't produce a massive big hive like the honeybee does. So, um, And I people in the village were getting quite twitchy about them. We have a Facebook group in the village and people were getting nervous. And I was saying, you know, don't worry, they're not gonna they're not gonna sting you. Oh they but don't they're no, not this is the thing. They're quite friendly like they're, they're very yeah. friendly friendly bees though. I think if you look at them not not as a bee, look look at them with the eye of maybe a butterfly and think, right, well they're 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 beneficial, they're not gonna harm me in any way and I need to sort of like uh, live and let live really, I think, because they are so valuable to us. And honestly, Bernard, I wouldn't know... I need know. to start planting and digging. <laughs> you just ignore them and dig and plant and just have to ignore them. And if you damage some, that is just sad, but will happen. And that happens in gardening. We do damage things. We can't help it. What you could do if you're nervous about that, Bernard, is, is when you're digging out an excavation hole, maybe just have a tray nearby and sprinkle whatever you find on the surface there and see if, if they're an adult, they will obviously in an emergent fly away that you may find that you'll come across grubs and larvae and again you know they they would be food for the for the local bird population so you just have to kind of think about it that way and um as you say try and you know if you're concerned about it keep cultivations to a minimum but at the same time you still need to enjoy your garden i think don't you the wife couldn't even pick the strawberries because there were so many of them yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I say, just, you just have to. Like I say they they won't they won't sting. That's the thing to bear in mind is that they're not going to be harmful. So we we need to re-educate people in in when it comes to certain types of bee. Uh, all bees and all wasps are not the enemy. Wasps themselves are actually very useful like for pollen. Yeah, yeah they pollen. they actually predate um, caterpillars yep. in the beginning of their life cycle. So in the in the first part of the summer, before they get aggressive and go onto the fruits, they're actually feeding on caterpillars, um, grubs, all they that kind all of good. stuff. So yeah. Anne from Colchester, what's up with your orchid then, Anne? What you done to it? 
Well, I'm actually looking after it for a friend. Oh, no, that's always fatal. I always remember <laughs> looking after a bonsai plant for a friend and I nearly killed it. So, I mean, I, I do sympathise with you. So what have you done to it so far? Well, I've just, well, I've just looked after it. Um, but it had four leaves. I have a feeling it could be a dendrobium, but I'm not oh, at right. all sure. Yes. It had four leaves on. Now it's only got two. The flowers that were on the very top of the stem had all, you know, almost died when, when yeah. I had it, and yeah. so they're not there, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering, well, what can I do? Or you... should I, it's in a very small pot, should I repot it? No. No, no. <laughs> no, I no, think, um, no. So dendrobiums are an orchid, so, so the main orchids that are bought in garden centres would be the phalaenopsis, yes, the, mo- yes. the moth orchid, and maybe yes, cymbidium. Yes, yeah, and so dendrobiums have got more like a, their stems are like sort of like fat fingers, aren't they? They're, and they're segmented. So is that what you're saying you've got? Um, not really, no, but I have just seen just seen some online that do look like that. No, mine don't right. look like that. They there don't. are some oh, okay. others that have got single stems, and then mm-hmm. it's got a small flower, has it? They had small little flowers yeah. on the tip. Small groups of flowers and what colour were the flowers, white? They or were, yellow? No, they were sort of dark mauve. I've okay. seen mauve yellows, whites, yeah. yeah. The flower's fading and is nothing to be concerned about because you don't that take will the happen. stem. Wouldn't take the stem off, though, would you? No, I think. Um, when is your friend coming back home? She's already back. <laughs> she left it with you. The thing is, <laughs> I um, said I'll, I'll just carry on for a bit longer. Right? Are you watering it? Um, yes, but I'm just wondering whether I've been doing too much. Which is why I asked you mm. whether you were watering it. How often are you watering it and what do you do to it? Explain how you water it to us. Well, I just pour a little bit of water on top of the soil. And when are you doing this? I mean, once a week, twice a uh, week? Probably once a week. It might be too much at this I, time of year because there's it, not enough growth. There's two leaves. Yeah. Is it mm. sitting in water, ever, Anne, or do you allow the water to drain away? Well, Sometimes. Yeah, I wonder if maybe um, when I water my orchids, a lot of orchids don't really want an awful lot of moisture around their roots at all. Um, so I tend to get mine in the bath, out of their mm-hmm. out of their containers, as it were, in, just into their into their plastic pots, and give them the water, allow them to drain, and then yeah. put them back into their containers. So and let them dry they're out. They're not completely, sitting yeah. in water. I, I'm quite mean with my orchids, and um, yeah, I, I don't like house plants that I've got to water every week because I tend to forget about them. So orchids for me are quite quite handy in that sense. So. Um, it may be that, like you say, you've just I been a little, bit, a little bit too much water. I think that could be the case. And if actually, um, I, I did have it in the bathroom, and I've brought it mm. into the living room because I read somewhere that dendrobiums like warmth. And they, they, do, yeah, not, they don't want, yes, don't want lots of sunlight. No, no. And they do, because they've got those thick, uh, the ones that've got the thick, thick fleshy stems, it's allowed, they can actually take periods of being dry because the stems act as a kind of like a food reserve and a water reserve. So yeah, but this is quite tiny. Yes. You could the admit, stems were also, they were clipped on the that's right. canes. Yes, right. they yes, will be just... Right. Yes. Yeah, I would just mist them as well. If you've got a little mister, yes, use, yes, use a I mister. Do. I have done that. You're doing all the right things, just mm. reduce the watering down to hardly anything at the moment, yeah. and I think you're sorted out. Exactly. OK, uh, and I don't need to repot it. No, no, no def- I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry not. about that. I think anything that disturbs the roots would, would do more harm than good, so just reduce the watering and, uh, and then give it back to your friend with a big smile and say that you've missed her a lot. <laughs> Yes, we'll be back to your gardening questions in just a little while. But now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we've got some top tips on what you could be getting on with in the garden this week. What you got for us, Lucy? Well, first things first, Ken. We've made it to February. Thank goodness for that. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't you relieved? Um, And what I did to celebrate this, I've been starting to sow a few vegetables, cracking open those seed packets, but only selectively a few. And I'm going to tell you which ones I've been sowing right now. Because people get too impatient, don't they? They See a mild week and off they go and it's wrong. I know. And, you know, if you sow things like courgettes or sweet corn now, please, please don't. Keep those tender veg in the packets. But what you can sow are veg that are relatively cold tolerant. So things like broad beans, if you want to get an early sowing of broad beans made now, maybe you missed your autumn sowing period or you're on heavy soil and you don't like to sow in the autumn because they rot off, sow an early maturing broad bean. Now, I've been sowing demonica for the last few years, which is claimed to be one of the earliest maturing broad beans from a spring sowing, and it is. My autumn sowings literally mature maybe two or three days earlier than the demonica. So it's a very good variety to sow. 
also early carrots. You can sow them in deep pots. You know when you buy roses and they yeah. come in quite deep pots, They're don't good. they? They're very good. If you've got some old rose pots, you can sow into those. I've got an old wine crate at the hall, which I sow every year, line it with polythene, and then put in some uh, multi-purpose compost to within about maybe three inches of the brim. And then the top couple of inches, I put in some seed compost and sow the carrots into that. Uh, you want a quick maturing carrot. So Amsterdam forcing are the uh, the classic carrot that's sown in spring for really beautiful finger-sized carrots come mid-May, if you sow them now. Um, you can sow things like celeriac and parsley. They're cold tolerant, but they need a very long growing season to get going. Uh, celery as well, so they can be sown. Chilli peppers, the really, really hot ones like the Dorset Nagas, sow those, but only if you have a heated propagator and crank it up to about 28 degrees. Well, there's a few things. What else can we be doing other than getting into <laughs> vegetables? Well, um, if you have a greenhouse or if you have a... Um, a penchant for the, the fashions of the moment, which is growing exotic plants. You may be overwintering things like insettis and cannas and yeah. uh, all those tropical plants that we that look so lush and lovely in the summer. And they, they would struggle if we left them outside in the winter. They get uh, knocked back by winter wet and winter cold. So often we overwinter them either in the greenhouse uh, by lifting them up and potting them up or we have them outside in situ and then we wrap them up with polythene or fleece and pack them with straw. So because it's been quite mild lately, you may find that these tender plants are actually coming into growth prematurely or they may actually be coming into growth and then uh, that growth might be rotting off. So good hygiene is really important. Keep checking them every, every week, every three or four days. Go in there if it's in the greenhouse and just remove any any foliage that looks like it's actually rotting uh, if you've got uh, polythene uh, often bubble plastic is used to protect these plants because it insulates them if you've got polythene and with straw wrapped inside just gently tap it to make sure that there's no condensation building up if it's puddling on the top or if it's clinging to the sides and you've got a big banana or insetti stem within that wrapping just make sure that the moisture is wicking away from the, the stem going um, away from anywhere that could potentially rot off Well, there's some good tips. Thank you very much, Lucy. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. We go to John in Brentwood. Hello, John. Morning, Lucy and Ken. Will you take outside, uh, Ken? Just going for a second. The lawn's too damp to mow, too soft, and the garden is sort of mud-bound. Soon as you put a fork in it. Oh, so what you do is you get a board and you do a little <laughs> bit of pruning. You do a little bit of pruning and you can work off a board pulling out those weeds. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, there's always... Someone said to me the other day, why have you come to do my garden? I said, gardens never stop. There's always something you can find yeah. to do. Isn't that right, yeah. Lucy? Yeah, make your seed order. I've, yeah. I've got a list of wet weather jobs when I work at the hall. We, I've got staff that I look after. and I've also got to think about ordering the seeds and getting the tools serviced and all that kind of stuff and getting the pots organised. So Loads to do, John. Yeah, yeah. right. The question, <laughs> couple of questions I've got... Yep. Uh, uh, RR, and that doesn't mean I've got a Rolls Royce car, uh, is uh, roses. Mm-hmm. My roses have got uh, a really large amount of growth on them. Uh-huh. This is before I prune them. Yeah. Now, if I prune them like I normally do, all that lot's going to be cut off. Will that harm the rose at all, like the goodness has gone to making this fresh growth? When do you prune your roses out of interest normally? About the end of February. Yeah, and mm. what kind of are we talking about? Hybrid teas or climbers or ramblers or what kind, John? Well, no, just bush roses. Bush roses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've, I've got loads that I look after at the hall, all different types. And uh, my pruning, I'm I'm just starting to do it last week and this week, and I am cutting off shoots that have already budded up. But in all honesty, they the, the plants are so healthy; they'll just bud up from lower down where I prune them to, and uh, it won't cause them any problems whatsoever. This is quite hard pruning I do each year, though. That's yeah. all right. Yeah, it was is fine. It? Absolutely right. fine. The last thing is the... I've got rhubarb now a foot high. <laughs> uh, surely this is too early for rhubarb. 
It's quite advanced. It, it is, although to be fair, we, I say January has been so mild that um, it's not unexpected. I've seen photographs on social media of people that have got rhubarb that's mm. already growing. And you can get, I've got a variety called Livingstone, which is a, the one that could be continually crops. It doesn't have a dormant period. And the, the leaves on that plant are a good foot high. So um, I think if it's mild enough, the rhubarb will grow. Do you reckon you can crop it yet? I'm going to leave it because it's a young plant, so I'm, I'm leaving that one. But I could do. I could have you rhubarb crumble for tea tonight. You could. Do you want to come yeah. round, Ken? That's <laughs> nice. Rhubarb crumble and custard. How about that, John? So the answer is yes, they are ahead, but yeah. it's the yeah. it's weather. Don't worry about it. Well, you've got to cover them up, surely, if, we, if we're liable to get a frost. They are hardy, so um, you, you, you're... And I think because that growth has been produced in cold... I mean, I know we're saying it's mild, but we're saying it's mild for January. It's still quite cold we have had days in single figures that growth will be nice and robust and hard and so it won't get knocked back by a frost all right okay thank you very much that's all right that's uh looked after john in brent when we go to william down in sunny clacton is that right is it sunny clacton william definitely there you you (laughs) go gorgeous what can we do for you today Uh, we got a gross verge outside of our bungalow Uh and we wanted to plant a tree in there Mm-hmm. Are you? Is it council verge or is it your verge? Council. You. I think you'll find you. Have you checked with them whether you can plant a tree? No. I think I'd like to remind you that I think you maybe ought to. Yeah. Right. However, yeah, we because, can then advise you yes. on the tree, and then you can say, <laughs> "I'd hate, like to plant up." Exactly. We'd hate for you to spend your money, William, for them to say, "Oh, you've got to take it out." So. Yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah. What would you put outside? Um, what? What? Clacton, are you near the sea or are yeah. you away from the sea? Near the sea, yeah. Near the sea. What about, so about within about a quarter of a mile, that kind of distance? or About four roads up from the beach. Yeah, four roads so up, so really there's close. a sea, uh, you've got salt, salt winds, salt to, bear winds to bear in yeah. mind. What are your preferences, William? What are? What, are you, what would you like well, to have there? We didn't really think to spread out too far mm-hmm. because of the pavement. Right. Yep. And something that doesn't grow too tall. A nice rounded tree. Yeah, or fifty-eight something or other. Hmm. So you could go for the uh, there's, there's the pear chanticleer, isn't there? With how would that be on the coast? I that's think that's quite, quite nice. tolerant. Yeah, um, there's a lovely um, upright pear, uh, flowering pear, and it does produce little fruits. But they're not. It's not really about the the fruits. It's more about the flowers. So it's oh, a lovely right. autumn colour as well. It's called chanticleer. That's quite a nice tree to have. And I think that would be say in those salty winds. I think the the leaves on that would be all right. Prunus don't like. I wouldn't put no, prunus I think there. prunus might be the leaves are a bit bigger and a bit more delicate, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, so I so you couldn't they'd... have cherries. Um, oh, well, you've got a... two of them in the garden, funny enough. And do how they, do they, how, how do, do they, they do? All oh, right. Well, there's an upright cherry yeah, that grows must be more as a sh- column. Must be quite sheltered then there. Yeah, there's... we've got one of those. A column of cherry? Yeah. We do yeah, another one, one of those. One that spreads out. Right. What about, you could have a white bean, that's not very... That's not quite upright, isn't it? That's mm-hmm. a sorbus. Um, which one's sort white beam? Is it orchoparia? No. There's a white beam, which is one oh, of the sorbuses. Just the basic species. Yeah. Yeah. Which has got area. a nice white area, isn't it? Area. Which yeah. has got a white leaf, uh, which is quite attractive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it goes. Does it go in autumn colour? Yeah, you get a slight change of colour in the autumn. Yes. Not dramatic. Yeah, that would be lovely. And it produces nice berries as yeah. well for the birds. So you've got some more, more seasonal interests there as well. Oh, and that was a what, you call it? That's a white beam, if you ask for a white beam. White beam. Oh, and right. I, I think even the mountain ash would tolerate, wouldn't they? Yeah. And you've got some nice I coloured... I nice... Any of the sorbus would do quite well, wouldn't they? I yeah. Think? And sorbus, some of the sorbus have got pink. There's sorbus uh, have got... There's a pink one, pink-buried one. Uh, there's a red and a white. Yeah. There? What kind of height are you wanting it to get to, William? Are you, do you actually definitely want a tree rather than a shrub? Yes. Tree, yeah. yeah. Right. So okay. Those what, ten, fifteen foot? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Sorbus, you might have to keep at that height, mightn't you? But no, if they're not too bad at all. Yeah. What about hawthorn? Hawthorn are very good yeah. in windy sites as well. There's some beautiful crotigus. So the Latin name for hawthorn is crotigus, and there's some there that've got lovely big hips as well, which um, uh, would be again, you know, good for wildlife and birds. And actually, you can eat the hips if you if you feel so inclined. If you fancy uh, a bit of foraging as well, um, they don't so spread out too far, do they? You you would maybe need to thin thin the crown out a little bit. So, but but hawthorn take very well to pruning because they're often used uh, as a hedging plant. So yeah. it just would be a case of keeping it 
you know, within within shape. They're yeah. not as broad as say. So flowering cherries are the ones that have they're very classic kind of vase like shape. A hawthorn wouldn't be as as broad spreading as that. So yeah, yeah. So sorbus, crotigus. Yep. Um, what do we? Oh, the pyrus right at the pyrus. start. The the pear. So there's some lovely sort of street trees that you could you could visit. But, but as Ken says, do just check your permissions first of all. Yes, okay. yes. All right, William? Yeah, okie dokie, lovely. Thanks very much indeed. And um, don't forget that number to call is, yes, it's 0800 4041. 4041. That's the number to call. Uh, and there's a line for it at the moment, but I'm just going to go back to some text. This is uh, quite interesting. When when should I start spraying my roses against black spot and start feeding them? One is in a pot and the others are in the garden. Now, of course, what we say, if you, if you have got a black spot problem, you have to start when the leaves emerge, don't mm. you, really? Yeah, you do. And they're, they're not, we're finding they're, that people they're nearly are... nearly there, aren't they? They are there already, aren't they? So, um, and what was the other... Feeding. I wouldn't be feeding, feeding... I wouldn't feed roses yet. Roses just no, yet. No, um, I mean, you can... What we do at the hall is we, we lay down a, a mulch, but we won't be doing that until going into mid-March, uh, early April to... And that's when you feed at the same time, do we, you? I also put down a granular... Because we're on sandy soil, I have to feed quite heavily, so I put mm. down a granular fertiliser that's like an organic slow-release fertiliser yep. that's got potash and nitrogen in it, but uh, quite a, a nice element of potash because that's what the rose is like for, for flowers. Um, but, yeah, when it comes to black... I was pruning pruning roses at the hall this week and I did notice on one of the roses I was pruning that there was some foliage on there that had got black spot on. And as you say, you think, well, in this mild weather, what do you do? So you've got to watch because as soon as they emerge, the Mm. leaf... If you've had a problem, that's the time to spray, isn't yeah. it? You've so got I suppose, to. really, in this mild spell, maybe you, you maybe do need to do a, a, yeah. a quick spray. Um, I think growth, growth isn't going to be emerging really no. quickly, so it might be that you just need to do one spray now and then maybe leave it another month or so before you need to do anything yeah. more. But again, you know, long term, choose roses that have got resistance to black spot. A lot of these modern shrub roses have, now and yeah. climbers, they will claim good disease resistance. And that's the kind of thing that you want to be replacing any old roses with if you can. Let's go now to Dorothy down in, I was going to say sunny south end. I'm sure it is, Dorothy. Oh, it is, definitely. Oh, there. We're what all being we, blessed with sunshine this morning. Now, what are we talking, are we talking fertilisers with you, Dorothy? Well, it's grown more, actually. I've hmm. come across what I feel is a fairly old bag, about three years old. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering if I can still use it. Is it, um, is it the granular one, or it's not the liquid feed of grown more? No, is it it's granular. granular. Yeah. And I want to start putting it on beds and borders that I'm preparing for my open days, and they start in May. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so can I use it now, or is it too soon? Right. Now, you said, I think it's grow more. Is grow- it grow more? I mean, does it say on the bag it's grow more? Yes. Right. Fine, Great. we've got Gromor. Okay. Why, why I'm questioning that is I don't want you to put something on the ground that isn't Gromor just because you thought it was Gromor, because let's oh, face no, it... I, I did say as soon as I spoke to you, I've got yeah. a bag of Gromor. No, fine, that's good. Great. So Great. when would you put it in? It's a bit early, isn't it? It's Because Gromor is a, what we call an, an inorganic feed, it's man-made, so its its nutrients are formulated so they're very quickly made available to plants. As soon as you put uh-huh. water with the Gromor, it will yes. wash into the soil and the plants will take up the nutrients. Now, because things aren't really moving and growing very quickly now, I know we're saying that things are slightly into growth, but they're not in the full swings of growth, I would leave applying the Gromor until going into at least late March, April, when you can see a lot of leaf and and, uh, new growth on your plants. Oh, right. So don't put any down until they've started growing. No, not for grow more. If you've got something that was more slow release, like an organic feed, like fish blood and bones, that needs to be broken down in the soil before the nutrients are taken up by the plants, then you've got a bit more of a a, a time lag before the nutrients are available. But grow more nutrients are available almost immediately. And just check, Dorothy, if that bag of fertiliser has gone clumpy and it's got moisture in it and actually, actually it's formed, formed lumps of grow more as opposed to it still being granulated you can still use it but all you need to do is make sure that you, you get those lumps out so put some put well, it in a, in a bag you and you don't have to worry about that because it's absolutely perfect oh great oh, that's good. lovely looks, oh you're sorted it looks as though I've just bought it yeah. Oh, even yeah. better. No, I've had it for quite a while. <laughs> Perfect. Well, then you are, Dorothy, as of mid to late March, you are good to go. And good luck with your open garden. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> All right. It's, it'll be, this, the Gromor will be for perennials 
and odd bushes in mixed borders. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. just perfect. Yes, because perfect, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, nice, yeah, the, good balanced feed. Grow more seven 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 when it comes to its nutritional content. So it's a nice, well balanced feed for, yeah. And as the perennials start to grow, it'll give them a lovely boost mm. straight away, won't it? Back to your calls, texts and emails very shortly. But let's take a final look at the top tips that Lucy has for us this week. Well, Ken, I am quite an optimistic person. But this winter, I've been amazed how relentless the weed growth has been at East Donovan Hall where I'm head gardener. Oh, my goodness, they will not stop growing because it's so mild. Do you know, it's funny because I remember you coming in doing a podcast and it must have been about November. Right. And you said, oh, just hoe off the annual weeds and that should see it off for the winter. Wishful thinking. See, that was my optimism coming through. It didn't happen, did it? (laughs) They kept growing. They they? have. It's been so mild, which is, you know, in a way, mildness is, I guess, is good for overwintering wildlife, such as the birds. They're probably not being hit too too badly this winter. But things like weeds and also pests and diseases, we've got aphids on plants that are in the greenhouse and whitefly. They're still breeding. It's, It's warm enough that they're still breeding. So do check your growing points of any plants that are in the greenhouse that might be vulnerable to infection because in the greenhouse it's, it's even milder and then pests as I say such as aphids and whitefly can keep on going so check those plants in there things like your pelagoniums salvia yeah. cuttings all that kind of stuff and as I say weeds if they're growing in the borders now please take some time out just try to knock them on the head you can hoe if the ground isn't too claggy but in all honesty it's been so wet I think maybe it's a time for hand pulling go for the large weeds that are developing flowers and seed pods they're your target first get those out and then go on to the smaller weeds later because I mean I was looking at dandelions are growing really well and yeah. I mean you think well actually I sometimes think you just go around with a narrow trowel and you just nick them out can't you take yeah. the whole root out it's gone get the whole thing it? gone yeah yeah chickweed shepherd's purse they're all flowering they're there, and setting seed at the hall and yeah. in fact if you look at the lawns the lawns are covered in daisies aren't they I know, <laughs> I know. looks lovely but we just we just need things to be a bit more cold yeah. and, and and wintry, don't we? That's not a very cheerful tip, though. I know. It? Sorry. <laughs> Have we got another one that's more cheerful? Let's do that. Let's do that. One thing that um, is such an exciting thing to do at this time of year is to get some new stock into the ground. So, if you want to buy bare root plants, they're really uh, inexpensive and widely available either via mail order uh, or from garden centres. You can also buy potted plants to put in the ground oh, yeah. now. Definitely. So, trees, shrubs. If you if you've yearned for a ginkgo. By Loba or um, an Amalankia or anything lovely like that, then go to the garden centre or mail order and buy these plants now. The reason being, as I say, the bare root plants are a lot cheaper than container grown plants because they're easier to produce in the field. And if you're going for mail order companies, then they don't have to have um, the heavy soil around the roots, so it's easier to transport them. But also, they establish so much better than if you wait until the spring. Do not be a fair weather gardener. Go out there now, get the planting it's done. It's fair weather now. Come well, <laughs> you're right <laughs> so you go to the garden centre support those but also put some beautiful plants in your garden for next year that's the one thanks very much lucy joe is interestingly got caterpillars have you joe what well they're um we're sorting out my window boxes or yes. my little troughs i use as window boxes and um when i dug through it's got last time soil in it mm. when i was turning them over they look like little white grubs things oh, have they got brown the soil. what have they, are they have they got brown noses oh didn't look at the noses i bet they, they got brown like, yes they're curled up and they've got yeah. brown noses and we know oh, exactly so what they are vine they're vine weevil grubs they most likely i'm are. certain yeah yeah. Right, so what do I do with it? Don't put it anywhere in your garden, I can tell you that. <laughs> no, right, so these um, troughs have got this soil in it and these, obviously, these little bugs in it. Mm. How do I get rid of the soil and the bugs? Can You've I put a, them in a black bag? Put them in a black bag and take them to your local authority uh, dump. That's what I would do. I can get rid of them like that. Yeah, I mean, they'll take old soil, so mm. therefore you oh, I right. mean, you, you don't have to go down there and say, well, actually, my soil's got vine weevil. No, no, no. You just I, give them the I, soil because they'll get rid of it. However, I don't know what they do with it, do you? No, I'm not sure. No, no I don't I know. Checked I don't know. All my, don't and you, know. Could also, you could also, Joe, if you wanted to, you could um, lay the um, 
the, the soil out on a sheet of plastic before you do that and allow the birds to take the grubs. They oh, won't right. take They won't take the eggs because the eggs of fine weevil are tiny, tiny things. So that's what we've got to be careful of. Don't forget that there are eggs in that compost and soil which do oh, need to right. be taken off site. But right. the grubs could be really valuable food for blackbirds, thrushes, robins, any ground-feeding birds like that. So you could lay it oh, on a right. sheet of plastic and let them have a little bit of a feed <laughs> and then take it to wherever you feel appropriate to get it off site. Yes, I thought, well, I don't want to use it if it's, no. you know... I wouldn't reuse it at all, no. Do they eat the roots or something? That's what, that what will happen. Yes, yes. they chew yeah. the roots right off to ground level. So yeah. if you put a, a viola, is exa- a lovely example, violas... Yeah, I had you, um, geraniums in there. Yeah, they'll eat anything. And, yeah, hucarus oh, and sycamore, and they love this so particular favourite. how do they get in there? The adult, it means you've got adults around somewhere. So. It does, yeah. I mean, we've, we've had fine weevil at the hall and we had it in the ground, so I wasn't able to do much, much about it. it. But what I've, I did do in the autumn was applied a biological control, which was a tiny little nematode that you water right. in. Um, yeah. But that needs to be done in late summer or autumn. The grubs right. probably now might be too big for the nematodes to knock on the head. So that's why we think for this in this moment... Got to wait till the temperature's just, right. Yeah, long. yes, yeah. you have as well. Yeah, so mm. get the get that compost or soil off-site. But yeah. for in, in the future, if you notice the, uh, the adult beetles, other things that can crawl around and get into your containers, they produce a very specific type of damage to plants in that they will notch holes out of the edges of the leaves it's like someone's gone along with your plants and, and like with crimping scissors and taken little circular holes out of the edges of the leaves if you notice that anywhere then that's where you want to then apply the the nematode because it might be that they're actually then in your garden in the soil in your garden maureen has sent us a text and she says hi to you both the orchids have finished flowering she put them into a colder room now shooting again brought into a warmer room now is that right yes and start feeding i would say yeah. wouldn't you yeah that's right yeah too. i so mean it would grow in already... a cooler room anyway wouldn't it yeah so so the orchids have already produced a flower spike yeah that's gone and now she said it's growing again another so it's so she's yeah. got she's I already imagine. got a new spike yeah the, any um, moth the phalaenopsis orchids and yeah. cymbidiums if you want them to throw up another flower spike you just put them in a slightly cooler room only by about five six which degrees. is obviously what she's done then yeah. move it yeah. back to warm once, once it's once it's flowering, yep. And Irene has also dropped us a line. She says, "Will it be okay to repot this orchid as the roots are coming out of the top of the pot? I've never repotted an orchid before, so would appreciate your advice." Irene, the answer is no. Yep. Yep. Leave well alone. The roots that are coming out of the pot are aerial roots. Aerial roots. Or the, so orchids are we talking, grow on trees. We've got to be careful because there are some terrestrial orchids, but the ones that mostly yeah. sold at gardens, it's like the Phalaenopsis, and uh, they are what we call a. Um, not terrestrial or what's the word? The words escape me now. Um, they grow on trees. Epiphytic, because so they pick up Mental the moisture blank. through the aerial roots. Yeah, so you, you actually can just wire them onto a piece of bark if you mm. want to be p- mimicking exactly how they grow in the wild and then hand mist them and the aerial roots will dangle around and sort of like catch you in the face as you walk into your conservatory. If not, leave them alone and miss them. Yes. So definitely don't cut them off. We go to a raised bed on that uh, phone number, which is 0800 4041. We've got a line free if you want to give us a quick call. Steve in Linford. Steve. Hi, Ken. Hi, Lucy. Good morning. Hello. How can we help um, you, Steve? Um, I've got a raised bed made of sleepers that mm-hmm. I've uh, put into a stepped uh, kind of shape with three um, holes, um, about a foot and a half by two feet each of the holes. I planted, was it two years ago, I planted three rhododendrons um, in it, which have flowered well, yeah. grown to about two feet, started off about a foot, foot and a half um, in size. Yeah. But it's in full sun, and I'm not sure the rhododendrons really are enjoying it. I do water it supplementary right. during the summer. Yeah. And I'm wondering whether there's anything better. It does um, mask the side of a garage. Mm-hmm. So I want something that's kind of evergreen, got kind of something there all year round. I'm wondering whether you can think of anything that would be better in those three slots those of three that tubs. raised bed for me. Yeah. So yeah. You, are you definitely going to move the rhododendrons then? Yeah? Um, if, if there's something better that would do the job there, could um, you? Yeah. Could, could you put a climber there, do you think, with a bit of trellis? Um, it's possible, but I did have a um, an evergreen clematis climber in there before there was a bed. When, uh, when I say before the raised bed there was in there, it was just a normal kind of uh, sunken bed. 
Mm. And the climb we got up into the roof of the garage and all over the place and was an absolute nightmare to Okay. Uh, so more like so, a wall, a wall train shrub would be maybe a, yeah. a, a possibility. I, mean, I was thinking Ceanothus because yes, they, they're that would be evergreen colourful, and they it? are um, very easy to wall train. Uh, they've got beautiful blue flowers in, uh, depends on the one, which one you buy. Sometimes they flower in the late spring, sometimes they can flower in the autumn. There's there's various different species, so do a little bit of research on that. But Ceanothus are very happy in uh, a sort of more of a baked position. The rhododendrons, although it sounds like they've been making new growth. they've gone they, from one foot to two to foot. Two, yeah, so they, they obviously made some growth. Yeah, yeah, but I was, um, you could try something like an abutilon. Abutilon will flower all through well, sometimes they can flower almost 12 months of the year. And again, they'd be happy in a restricted amount of soil and they could be f- sort of fan-trained, as it were, up against the wall. So they'd make, they could make a real feature. So would it be possible to keep the rhododendrons in there and just plant these Behind um, I think not. you might be. No. That might be pushing in that size nature's luck a little bit. Yeah, because the containers aren't massive, or the raised bed, yeah. um, sleeper raised beds aren't massive. I think what I would be tempted to do is I'd go, go for a ceanothus or something like that. Wall train it in the front. Put something like maybe some annual bedding that could okay. give you a display when you know in the in the garden when you're out there more in the summer, uh, and then yeah. every autumn you rip it up and and uh, and put put in a new. I quite like home bedding mm. because it allows you to get to um, indulge, chop and indulge your whim. If you fancy one year cool. to be in a blue and purple combination, you can do that. And if you fancy next year to be put a blue and yellow, you can do that. So it's quite it's yeah. quite nice in that sense. Yeah. And I think the rodos, if you yeah, if you can put them somewhere that's moist but I also a bit more shady. Yeah, shade, uh, yeah. Does that help yeah. you, Mark? Does that help you, Steve? Sorry. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. That's certainly, yeah, I'll look into that. Thank you. Okay. Come back to us and let us know what you decide to plant because we always like to know what people are doing, you know. And, and uh, Steve's got an interesting one there. He's yeah. tried something and he's going to pop another one in. Uh, do you know what a Savoy hybrid is? Savoy hybrid? Yeah. Are they talking about a cabbage? Well, I don't know. I have a 25 year old Savoy hybrid, <laughs> which is not. Is not. Oh, Savoy, there's a, there's a rose called Savoy Hotel, which we grow at the hall. Do you think that's what it is? Savoy Hotel. But unfortunately, due hybrid. to a little neglect, it's very gnarled and the stems are quite spindly. Mm, Can I, I replace it with a new one in the same spot in the garden? It currently looks very sad. OK, let's take it that it's a rose yeah. because that's the best bet. Yeah. Um, if we're digging out a rose and we replace it, the soil will not take to a rose very well unless no. we look after the soil. Exactly. So, so what do we do to the soil to help? So you need to essentially change the soil for um, some that's not grown roses or any member of the rose family um, recently. So the classic uh, example is change it for something in your vegetable garden. So if you've got a, a veggie patch yeah. or something like that, um, take some soil from there. You're talking a good two foot by two foot by two foot cube, as it were, of soil. So it's quite a, a few barrow, barrow loads. Um, so uh, if you want to replace the rose, get that out, get as much roots out as you possibly can. Swap it for some soil, as I say, from a vegetable plot or something along those lines that's not had woody plants in it. And also make sure that you add, um, when you plant your new rose, which we're presuming might be Savoy Hotel, which is a lovely pink one, Ken, very nice. Is, yeah. You can add some mycorrhizal fungi inoculant to the root system as well, which just, it basically will coat the rose roots in protective fungi, which actually allow the rose to extract more nutrition from the soil. And they give it a bit more drought tolerance, a bit more vigour. So that's what the mycorrhizal fungi will be doing. And those products now, in the last few years, have become much more widely available from rose nurseries or from any good garden centre. They are, so hopefully that helps John. Um, just something that came in, that's a, there's, a bit, there's a couple of things actually I want to just go through. Um, one is uh, Martin Clark has sent me another email, and Martin refers to the one before, but I do, when I answer emails, I delete, because if not, I'd have boxfuls and boxfuls <laughs> of emails. So Martin, I can't remember the plant you were talking about. You're talking about pests on plants, but if you can just drop me an email, tell me what the plant is and i will help you with that next week um police are warning this is on social media actually about snowdrops are emerging on verges and woodlands large quantities of these are actually stolen and of course they're protected Um, aren't they yeah you can't go digging up so please if you see someone suspiciously digging them up report it to the police don't worry about it because if not you're going to 
you know, damage it. In fact, see it seemingly, somebody last year was jailed and another was given a community order after a court heard they dug up an estimated 13,000 bulbs. Wow. That is mind-blowing, isn't wow, it? Absolutely crazy. mind-blowing. And, you know, let's, let's, uh, let's leave well alone. Um, just, we must finish on Christmas, mustn't we? So, um, got a point set here, four years old, main stem about half an inch, then four irregular branches splaying out to about two inches um, above the soil in an earthenware pot, 12 inches deep, round, two inches above. When should the plant be repotted? Wow, so they've not repotted it in four years? N- no, needs repot. Well, crikey! Well, I would do now. it uh, in this yeah, sort of now, spring, February, March time. Anything like that would be great. Uh, and then I'm going to tell you what I would do. I would then cut it down to about six inches, wouldn't you? Wow, you're going to be harsh. Well, all right, a bit less then. I thought. <laughs> and then you need to feed it and yep. water it and yep. get it into really strong growth. And that's really what it's about with the point set, isn't it? it? Is. Getting that strong yep. growth you, now. You do have to be brave and give them a prune back. Ready for next year. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Isn't yes, it? job done. They are. And uh, yes, you've got to live. Yeah, it's a bit chilly in the kitchen, but don't worry about it. They're more tolerant than you think. If you've kept it that long... I know, they're doing something right. I don't right. think we should advise, really, on how to look after it. Do you at all? You're doing the right thing. <laughs> doing the right thing. Keep on doing it. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Now, if you missed any of the questions or the answers we gave, you can download this programme. Take it with you on the BBC Sounds app. Never forget, if you have a gardening question, why not give us a call next week? Yes, Saturday morning after 11... Every Saturday, that is, 11 till 12. It's the gardening hour. So join us and join in. 